0: Hi, I'm Megan Steelstra, and I'm a company member with Second Story. This April, we turn 14 years old, and to celebrate, we're holding a birthday fundraising drive. Second Story is a nonprofit organization, and as such, we greatly rely on our fans. We're able to produce this podcast, as well as our live shows and community programming, through the generosity of the Second Story community. So please take a minute to visit our website, secondstory.com. There, you can listen to our complete podcast collection, check out our upcoming events, and even submit your own stories for production. And while you're there, consider giving us a birthday present in the form of a donation. We promise we'll throw one hell of a party. This This is the Second Second Story Podcast. On this week's Second Story Podcast, a young Matt Miller can't wait to begin driver's ed, but he didn't expect the life lessons that come along for the ride. Originally from Kent, Ohio, Matt is a Chicago-based stage director, teacher, and a long-suffering Indians fan. This story, titled The Brad Story, was performed at Second Story in the Underground Wonder Bar on February 23rd. The theme of the evening was People Get Ready, Stories of Transition. And now, Second Story presents Matt Miller. The most
1: powerful machine most people will ever operate is a car. People forget that a car is a machine. People like to believe that their car is this little magic bubble on wheels, but that's BS. A car is a beautiful effing machine, and it's dangerous. Those are the words of my driver's education instructor, (laughs) who was a beautiful effing mess of a man. I was 17 when I started driver's education. It was the end of the summer, and I was the last in my group of friends without my license. Now, the program sanctioned by my high school took four weeks minimum to complete. I didn't have that kind of time. (laughs) Fortunately, there was another option, Mr. Zip's driver's education. Mr. Zip's marketing campaign was genius. We'll zip you in and we'll zip you out. They promised driver's certification in one-week flat with classes during the day and driving sessions at night. For the teenager in dire straits, Mr. Zips was the way to go. The school was located in the basement of a crummy office building. As my mother and I turned the corner in the dingy hallway into the dirty fluorescent light of the makeshift classroom, I saw the man who was to teach me the rules of the road, Brad. Just Brad. I never found out his last name. Just to paint the picture, Brad was easily 300 pounds. He was resplendent in a yellow and orange Hawaiian shirt open to just above his navel.
0: <laughs>
1: he, wore a, uh, he wore a Hawaiian shirt uh, that... Uh, hold on, light's bad. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't wearing a T-shirt, and sweat sparkled on his sunburned skin like tiny putrescent diamonds. Brad's glasses were the kind that automatically tint in harsh light. He had a spiky brown mullet, which my mother later informed me was not so much a haircut as an entire way of life. And in his right hand was a big gulp from the corner 7-Eleven. In fact, the entire back windowsill was full of big gulp cups, neatly stacked and arranged like paper skeletons, each cup representing no less than 64 fluid ounces of Mountain Dew or Dr. Pepper that Brad had conquered. Naturally the sight of Brad did not inspire confidence in my mother and I was mildly surprised when she agreed to let me stay. But she did and I slunk into a folding chair at the back of the room. Once everyone was seated about 10 students in all Brad started class with these fateful fateful words. "Hello and welcome to Mr. Zip's Driver's Education. I will be your instructor for the next week. My name is Brad." And by law, I'm required to tell you that in 1984, I was convicted of a felony. (laughs) Silence. I was expecting, you know, I was expecting, you know, at least a gasp from the vapid smiley girls in the front row. But no one said a word. I slowly raised my hand. What did you do? I said, Oh, I taught driver's education without a license, Brad responded. But I'm all good now. Certificate's on the wall over there. Another long pause. Also, there were some drugs. (laughs) Ah, Yes, also there were some drugs. Apparently, cocaine was just an afterthought to Brad. A transgression barely worth mentioning. Brad told us he was clean and sober now, but he talked about the drugs with the same giddy excitement that little kids have when they talk about Christmas. As an instructor, Brad didn't so much teach us about driving as he told us about the stupid and irresponsible things he had done as a young adult and the terrible consequences he had paid as a result. He regaled us with stories about breaking and entering, nights we had spent in prison, the various narcotics he had tried. We listened in rapt awe. For example, one of Brad's more salient lessons Concerned the dangers of drinking and driving We watched about three hours of videotapes on the subject But when Brad suddenly shut off the TV Halfway through the last episode He really saw to our education Now, when you're drunk, he said You see two roads (laughs) Again, the room was silent I slowly raised my hand Which road should you take? Always take the lower road Brad said with the air of a professor Explaining a a difficult philosophical subtlety Always take the lower road The class nodded their heads in mute acknowledgement Indeed On our first actual drive together Brad and I ventured into a neighborhood With old rusty cars on blocks Chain link fences protecting yards Overgrown with weeds And broken bottles lining the curb We approached a bend in the road With a small white ranch house perched on the corner Brad said up Now you should accelerate Past this house There's a dog what lives there And he hates this car (laughs) What? I said There was no dog around and I was pretty sure this was a a trap to get me to break the speed limit and lose some points on my lesson or something. But Brad persisted. Seriously, there is a dog what lives there and he will attack this car. Now still unconvinced, I kept the car under 25 as we rounded the corner. And then in my rearview mirror, I watched as a frigging massive black dog vaulted over the chain link fence and began to chase the car. He will attack the car, Brad said. (laughs) He hates this car. (laughs) What Brad and his red Toyota had done to earn this mutt's ire, I hadn't a clue, but they had done something, and they had done it very well. On our next driving lesson, Brad took me out to the parking lot of the Kent State University football stadium to practice parallel parking and maneuverability. Hard skills to learn. Brad set up a course with a dozen or so orange plastic cones Gave me a very no-frills lesson And then barked at me to Have at it, kid While I practiced, Brad chugged away on a big gulp Then, from under the seat, he pulled out a brown paper bag I was anticipating the bag to be full of candy bars And chips, perhaps, to accompany his gigantic beverage But I was very wrong The bag contained lots of porn (laughs) The latest editions of Playboy Penthouse letters in Hustler. He then proceeded to leaf through them, snickering to himself and occasionally pointing out his favorite girls to me. The next few sentences are verbatim. His words, not mine. Oh, check out the fun bags on her. I would drink her bathwater. Now, I had never really seen porn before and I was flabbergast, flabbergasted, just completely shocked and overwhelmed. Brad was my teacher after all And it was definitely inappropriate that he was checking out porn When he's supposed to be showing me how to parallel park (laughs) It was then that Soul Asylum's hit Runaway Train One of my favorite, favorite songs in high school Came on the radio In the next few minutes Brad would ruin this song for me For the rest (laughs) of my natural life As the opening notes of the song floated into the interior of the car Brad Brad gruffly told me to Pull over for a second. I gotta drain the lizard. (laughs) He then proceeded to open the passenger door, swing just one leg out of the door, (laughs) undo his pants, and piss away his big gulp for the next three minutes solid while still half sitting in the passenger seat. As I listened to the late David Perner's haunting lyrics, my driving instructor created a small lake around our car... The arc of his piss stream just barely clearing the running board of the Toyota. (laughs) Eventually, he finished. The song ended and I went back to practicing the course, now with a sizable water hazard in the middle of it, in the searing image of Brad's flabby left butt cheek, now inextricably linked to my formerly favorite song. A little out of touch, a little insane, it's just easier than dealing with the pain. And yet... And yet, the most memorable driving session happened on Friday night. Brad picked me up at dusk. We were going to practice driving on the highway at night. We hit the highway for a little while, but once Brad saw that I, that I knew what I was doing, he said, Get off with the next exit. I want to show you something. And very shortly, I found myself alone with my mildly creepy driving instructor on a desolate stretch of Country Road in Nowheresville, Ohio, In the late summer before my senior year of high school, and I was a little scared. We had passed the last-lighted farmhouse almost ten minutes ago. It would be difficult to get help if Brad's intentions were sinister. Suddenly, Brad hit the special brake that he had on the passenger side of the car. This is the place, Brad said. I pulled the red Toyota over to the side of the road, put the flashers on, and watched the lights blink a silent alert to the leafy and quiet woods. Brad pointed to the ravine and then to the boggy pond. Right there. Right there. Mother Humper jumped across the road right there. Fucking ten feet tall. Right in front of me. Twenty years of looking, I thought I'd never see one. I then realized where we were. Brad had taken me to the place he had seen the Sasquatch leap across his path (laughs) only a few months before. He had taken me to the place where he had seen Bigfoot. When I analyze it now I think about how important this must have been for Brad How much risk was involved on his part Telling his 17 year old student That he knew about these creatures Believed in them Knew what they eat Where they live How they swim We got out of the car to look more closely at the ravine We stood into the Ohio stars And Brad told me about the whole encounter How he was alone And a little bit drunk And that it was just a fleeting glimpse but he was sure it was him, sure it was the Bigfoot. Brad then opened the car, uh, the trunk of the car, which proved to be full of stolen library books about the Yeti. <laughs> Dozens of books, all of which he had read and reread, committed to memory. And it was then that I saw his loneliness. How similar they were, Brad and the Yeti, both lost men adrift in a world that does not believe in them has no place for mystery. After a few more moments of gazing at the ravine and the books, Brad gently closed the trunk of the car. Brad took the driver's seat now, and we buckled our seatbelts. He cranked the radio, and we roared down the dark country highway, the engine purring, the headlights on high beam cutting through the darkness, the car itself a subtle reminder of mankind's greatest quality, imagination. We didn't talk much the rest of that night. Brad said he had heartburn, and I felt that something ineffable had passed between us, and it was best to just keep my mouth shut. (laughs) What it was really, I think, was that Brad was feeling small, perhaps realizing that he had risked too much in sharing his beliefs with me. We pulled into the driveway of my parents' house around 9.30 Friday night. This was it. One week had zipped by. Brad signed my certificate of completion and handed it to me. We shot the shit for a few minutes, awkward talk about girls mostly. And then I mentioned that I would be taking my driver's test the next morning. Brad got quiet. I don't tell all of my students this, but I'm going to tell you. Your auditor at the DMV tomorrow is going to be a woman named Kathy. She has a lazy eye. Some call her the dragon lady. She's going to ask you what the minimum tire tread is for the state of Ohio. It's one-sixteenth of an inch. She's going to ask you what the. uh, She's going to coax you to turn into a parking space without using a turn signal. Don't do it. (laughs) For the next several minutes, Brad told me about the Dragon Lady and all of her secrets. When he was done, Brad and I shook hands. Then he plopped into the driver's seat of the Toyota and drove away. I never saw Brad again. I took my test at the DMV the next morning, though. The Dragon Lady was there, all right, just like Brad had said, and I knew all her tricks. I passed on the first try. I don't drive as much since I moved to the city. Occasionally though, when I'm visiting my parents in Ohio, I find myself driving my dad's old VW on the back roads near their place. And I keep an eye to the tree line because as I learned in driver's education, our world is a mysterious place and it doesn't matter to the Bigfoot whether or not you believe. Thank you.
0: Matt Miller. This story was curated by Julia Borschertz, with a sound design by Eric Hazen and performance direction by Ozzie Totten. If his story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Join us on April 14th and 15th at Webster's Wine Bar in Lincoln Park for Born Into This, stories of where we come from. For tickets or for more information about Second Story, visit our website at secondstory.com. That's 2ndstory.com. This Second Story podcast was brought to you by Amanda Delheimer-Diamond, Bobby Badriski, Julia Borschertz, Eric Hazen, the Second Story Publishing Committee, Danielle Ezel, Sherry Pentamone, C.P. Chang, and myself. I'm Ozzy Totten, and this is Second Story. Thanks for listening.